Hello and welcome to Emotional Support Witch, a podcast about learning, healing, connection and all things witchcraft. My name's Steph. And I'm Yella. And welcome to this episode where we're going to be focusing on the Knave of Wands. So if you remember from last time, we pulled the Knave of Wands from from the deck and using that as a prompt for this episode. So Steph, tell us a little bit about what um, the Knave of Wands means. So just a little bit of information of wands as a suit. So wands is associated with the element of fire and can sometimes be known maybe more traditionally in tarot as the rods or the staves. So it's more modernly known as as wands um, and it represents initiative, ambition, drive and desire. So it's the suit of enterprise and risk taking. Mm, Wow. Um, And then more specifically, the Knave of Wands, um, which is also traditionally sometimes called the Page. Yeah, I found that. I was doing some research and I found him called the Page of Wands as well. And then there was the Knight of Wands, but I guess that's a different card. That is just a different card, yeah. But a lot of the research coming up, Knave did seem maybe not the most traditional way of of what it's called because I think maybe page and sometimes princess I saw as well. Yeah, I saw it described as a young girl, the knife Mm. of ones in one of the the things that I looked up. Yeah, so it does seem to be interchangeable with princess, I guess, because yeah, in the deck that we have, um, the suits go up from one to 10. And then after 10, we have knave, then knight, then queen, then king. So I guess maybe knight is quite masculine. Maybe the knave was more, could have been feminine. Which is very interesting because we did talk a lot about femininity in our last episode. And then we were like, oh, now, because we had the empress as a card that was leading us through the episode. And then we were like, oh, wow, it's like much more masculine this time. Uh, turns out maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, but maybe it's the balance or the interchange or, you know, maybe there's something in that that we... Um, can look into because yeah I think something that we both are interested in is the just these labels of something being masculine versus feminine so that I think that's quite a nice definitely almost prompt for this episode is you know historically clearly it can change you know the label that we give things and it is just depending on like the society of and then people take that as considered normal you know um, like if we hadn't done more research into it knave does sound quite masculine doesn't it yeah that's true but yeah, so from my research, the archetype of the Knave of Wands is about a unique individual um, and a non-conformist was one of the words there. I think that's something we can both relate to and maybe goes back to that society thing of like where you, if you are a bit frustrated, I know I personally get very um, frustrated when people just say, oh, it's, that's just how it is, you know, that's and people don't question it boys will be boys boys will be boys you know just it is that's how it is you know there's nothing we can do to change it and I think that's ridiculous because I think we often forget to look historically at things and we take everything as like right now this is what it is and everyone thinks that's normal but really not that long ago it's the exact same thing could have meant something completely different yeah, that's true. And we, we don't learn enough from the change mm. that has happened in history. We we learn so much about the history, but we don't actually take the lessons and put them into our everyday life and be like, okay, we can actually change something because it's been done before. Yeah. Um, and then so 
non-conformist really like and then sometimes described as bohemian hmm. um which i don't know i've been called that a lot recently um so i felt quite yeah predisposed to to that too um and it just said someone who was independent by nature i like that yeah um i think independence is something that because we are so connected in like a digital way we often forget to be because you can like ask someone about anything like you can always like rely on someone which is a good thing but I think also we we often forget how to be independent and maybe also think independently yeah, we we th we talked about that a little bit I think in our first episode that we there's so many information out there that we don't really feel the need to think independently anymore so yeah yeah like coming up with your own um opinion of something and exactly. not just taking it on yeah and i i found that quite interesting because i think i've always been described as independent but you know when you're a kid and like you're especially i think if you're a girl it's often like seen as as a bad thing you know like i was a tomboy i was like being told i was too independent and i'd never find a husband like you know one day if i didn't tone it down and like genuine things that have been said to me you know and i, I think i lost a bit of my like independent nature for a while because of trying to conform to things, you know, because you suddenly are like, oh, wait, maybe people are right. Maybe I, you know, if I am too outspoken, if I am too opinionated, if I am almost just like too much, then, you know, I'll be too much for people. And so I think I've gone through like a kind of stage of trying to regain that independence, kind of like you, you said, like where maybe you realize you've been taking in so many external influences where you then have to kind of dig around and find, wait, who am I by nature? Like what is natural to me and trying to find that independence again. So it says they require little in the way of affirmation or approval, which I think relates to that again. If you are enough on your own and you know that, then you're your own affirmation and approval and you don't necessarily need that externally, um, which does relate to that sort of bohemian nonconformist sort of um, words, doesn't it? of just going against what people think of or say is the norm um, in sort of mainstream society and just questioning that a little bit. And then it says, perhaps a mischief maker and is often an innovator or an inventor since the energy represented by this card will only serve others until he or she figures out how to get others to serve him. Okay, so I think that's interesting because it's like a little bit of a negative connotation to that, I guess, mm -hmm. which also our society has with like being mischievous and like doing something that might not be the right thing for the society or in the eyes of the society. But I do think that sometimes being nonconformist or not like thinking about what is actually the right thing in this situation and not just the right thing that society has told me to be is actually a, a very good thing to do but it is not always seen as that I guess. No definitely people don't like it when you kind of go against what they think is normal. One of the words as well was courageous so I guess it takes courage um, to do that and it was like loyal friend as well and decent character and a person to be trusted so I think those are quite interesting thinking about like if you're in tune to the integrity of who you are and you you know you're being true to yourself and like I do believe and hope and think that deep down the core of me is good and you know is full of integrity and it's maybe the things that I've taken on by outside 
influences. Whereas, you know, whether it's social media or the people around me or things that I've picked up like as a kid, you know, from family or just from society, that a lot of the negative things come from the outside, but that deep down there's that loyal friend, that decent character. And it's about finding that again. I think that's that's a nice thing. And I think that that's a journey, like one that we are on right now to like kind of like find out what's the right thing for me inside deep down because I remember I used to be very conformist I I used to love rules because as a kid they gave me like a guidance and I probably still am a little bit of a people pleaser so it's like if I stay within these rules everyone will be happy with how I behave (laughs) and everyone will like me and think I'm lovely and as you grow older you realize that that's not the way at least that's what I've realized that sometimes, I mean, yeah, if you just look at some of the laws that are being implemented now, or just always have been or just still are. I mean, like, for example, the um, the death row in, in America is still a thing. And I deeply disagree with that, even though it is a law, mm-hmm. um, which maybe at some point, probably not, that's a bad um example but you know what I mean like yeah. ju- just some laws like you don't need to take for default you can think about maybe and that's the thing again with like maybe they were a thing in the past and they were really good for the society that was there then but maybe not anymore maybe we have to change it now yeah I think that's really important yeah I I also was when you grow up and you have a very strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. And I still definitely believe that now, but I guess it's about coming to that um, moral compass yourself. And so if you know yourself really well, then you, you know what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong. And then you can hold the external things like to that. So like looking at the laws or like looking at, I just used to really struggle in school because I thought all the rules were just so pointless, you know. But yeah, so if you're able to hold external things onto your own moral sort of compass and realise what is good and bad, but not just, yeah, being like, okay, well, the government said so, so this must be right. And I think that's sometimes, that's how things kind of get wrong in a society, isn't it? When people just don't think for themselves and just take it as, oh yes, well, this is what I've been told, so it must be right or wrong. Yeah, and I think it's courageous as well to kind of do that and change your opinion because then you have to see that maybe you did something wrong in the past because you didn't know better, which I think is completely human and we all do that and it's not something to be ashamed of in any way. But it is quite a negative feeling that comes with that, I think, like because you have to think about, oh, the mistakes I did and what I did wrong. So I think it's courageous to to be open to change especially in yourself but also around you but especially in yourself I think sometimes it's really hard to to grow and like become someone different but I think we need those people in our society like we need non-conformists because they will never be changed otherwise yeah definitely I, I completely agree with the courageous thing I think admitting to yourself when you've done something wrong when you try so hard to do things right all the time like that's a really like hurtful thing to have to come to terms with in yourself isn't it to realize that you have hurt people hopefully not on purpose but because you were doing what you thought was right at the time and having that balance of having forgiveness for yourself because you were doing the best with what you had but also the holding yourself accountable to you know that you did hurt someone and that's how you learn and that is how you move but by you know I guess stubbornly being like oh no you know defending yourself making excuses you're not 
necessarily embracing the whole situation and learning from it so that you can then, you know, not do it again because you know better now. Yeah. And that's something as well that like, we will always like know better than we did before. Like we will always grow. We always learn. I don't believe that we ever stop, but I do feel like our society does not really allow that or does not really make that space. I think if you, if you take it, if you claim it yourself, then there is space for that. But our society doesn't make that space. It doesn't do it easily. It's like, kind of like, okay, we go to school and then we go to uni or we do an apprenticeship and then we stop learning and then we're where we at. And mm-hmm. then we build a house and we have a family or whatever our plan is, but then we're there. And mm-hmm. that that's, that's our life. And so many people get stuck. That's why the whole like midlife crisis thing is so big at the moment. And everyone seems to be having one, which is completely normal. Because if you haven't changed for 20 years, obviously you'll feel stuck. Mm-hmm. If you don't allow yourself to like grow and like try out new things because you think that's my life now, then obviously you'll get frustrated with everything and you'll have a crisis. But what if you just try and like keep growing? then I don't think we would we would have that even. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so true. I don't think we're encouraged to to keep learning and keep growing in the society. We're, you know, you learn everything you need to know in school and then you go forth and implement all these things, you know, and if you start to question or if you keep learning, that is when you start to, you know, um, confront the, you know, conformity um, and people don't like that. You are encouraged to stay in your lane and not um, make any trouble, you know, not annoy anyone, not upset anyone. And sometimes other people take it personally. Like when you start to grow and learn and change your opinion, other people find that affrontive to themselves. They like almost see it as like an attack on them for not learning or changing um, because it's almost safer and easier to hold on to the, the things that you think you know or that you hope you know because you know you hope you know the truth and you hope you know that you've been doing the right thing all these years and it's it is scary and requires a lot of courage to start to question that so sometimes people don't like it when they see other people having the courage to do something that they don't necessarily have the courage to do themselves but it's such a fun journey once you get started I think once you can release the fear of being wrong um, and you're open to changing your your opinion. How many things are we going to learn? Like that's what we want this podcast to be. It's like we don't know. We just want to. We just want to learn. We're open to have anyone's point of view um, because I think by taking in as much as possible, you can expand what you think and slowly but surely expand and change the way that you think to hopefully find things that align with what you truly feel. And I think by taking on all these different angles and all these different point of views but at the same time trying to find your inner self you also stop comparing yourself to others because that's why people don't like when other people change because they keep constantly comparing I used to do that or I probably still do that too I'm trying to work on it but it's something that like so many people especially in their 20s so many conversations I have with friends like oh this person has this great job Uh, and I'm still studying or something like that. And then, um, but you don't like see what what you have. Maybe you have had a family in that time and they're still single or whatever, you know, like if you, if you just go on that journey and like really focus on yourself, I think you, you stop comparing yourself to everyone. And in the world that's so, there's so much sharing, 
online and you see everything. Everyone's life seems to be out there in the open and ready for you to watch it. It's so important, much more important than any time before that you stop comparing yourself to others because it's not going to make you happy. No, it never, it only makes you worse. Like I know sometimes I'll be having a fine day, everything's all good. And then I see something good happen for someone else on Instagram. And then you suddenly feel like, you know, just this okay day you're having isn't as great as, you know, someone's party that they're going to because you then can, you know, like I'm not at a party now. I'm just at home living my life, but all these people are out doing, you know, and suddenly I was content about what I was doing and you're just you know, feeling bad because it's in comparison to someone else. Yeah. But when you stop doing that, isn't it like the best feeling to just be happy for other people of what they achieve? Because, you know, you achieve something else, but it's your journey and you shouldn't be achieving the same things. And I think if you let go of that and you can truly be happy for other people, that's actually one of the best feelings in the world. I mean, I think that's something I'm only very recently <laughs> um, experiencing, but honestly, it has been, it has been amazing because I've had certain situations recently where I've been like, if this had happened a couple of years ago, I would not have felt good for that person. I would have been like, I would have seen it as a reflection on myself and the freedom that comes with realizing that other people aren't a reflection of you. It's such a freeing feeling. It's amazing, but it is hard and it is just an ongoing process because and you're constantly being challenged by that all the time, I think. But the more you're challenged by it, the more you have the chance to put it into practice, I guess. Yeah. And the challenge is part of the growing as well. As I said, I don't think we ever stop learning. So we'll never be at a point where we're like, oh, now I'll never compare myself mm -hmm. to anyone else again. Now I'll never change my opinion. Now I'll never be wrong again. We will not reach that point. Maybe after death. Who knows? Who knows what comes then? <laughs> But not in this life. Yeah. And also maybe some element of comparison, maybe not comparison, but like seeing what other people are doing can motivate you. You know, sometimes it's easy to be complacent in just what you're doing. And maybe you need a little bit of like, oh, if there's something in you that really wants what someone else has or is doing, then maybe that's a little bit of motivation to go and put things in place in order to make that a part of your life. Yeah, I mean, inspiration is definitely something good that you can take from it. And that's kind of like what the Nafe of One said as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Desire and ambition and all those things like making the best life for yourself, the life that you want. And definitely you can see other people and be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'm going to take inspiration and do something similar because I think this is amazing and I want that in my life too. And that's definitely fine. Um as long as you don't have any bad feelings towards that person, because I don't think that will help you grow or reach your desires in any way. Mm. No, I, I think it will be really interesting in like future episodes. And I think we've done it a bit before is like really trying to find the nuance in those things. Cause we keep saying like, oh yeah, this is, is a bad thing. And then be like, well, actually in this way, it's a good thing. But I think the thing that we really want to try and get from these conversations is the nuance and is the balance of like, you know, Things are neither good nor bad, but it's about finding the good in them um, and finding the balance because, you know, things in extremes aren't good either. But you're going to experience every range of human emotion and experience in this life. And it's about, I guess, keeping finding the good in them and the, finding the things that you can learn and facing the challenges of them. Yeah. And I think 
There's this Harry Potter quote and I can't remember yes. it now. <laughs> Yay. Um, fangirling. Oh, where, like Dumbledore says to Harry something because Harry's like, oh, am I too much like Voldemort because I had like share these things with him. And then he's like, it's not your something. Oh, I have to look that up. Um, and otherwise I'm going to be annoyed. Um, but basically he says like, it's not this, but it's your actions that like reflect your character. Mm. So it's not like the first initial feeling that you have when you see oh this person succeeded in this wow it can sting a little I think but then it's like what you do about it are you gonna be sulking about it and not do anything or are you gonna like be like okay why don't I see it as an inspiration um I think that's what it is I think it's like the actions that you take it's not your emotional response because so many times I feel bad for my emotional responses to something, mm. but that's not something we can, like... You can't control that part. You can control what you do with it afterwards, but exactly. you, you really can't control how something makes you feel. Um, and and that's what, what I think is what, like, the core of the journey is about, to, like, not feel bad for, like, your emotions, but rather put that energy that I used to put into my emotions into my actions mm. yeah no I really like that um and it's hard and it takes practice I know I'm trying to that is that feeling of I'm trying to get better at holding difficult emotions because I think so often as soon as you feel something negative your first instinct is well either to feel bad about feeling that feeling which is not helpful because you know it's just happening and you're feeling it. You can't do anything about it, but is to distract yourself, you know, being like, oh, I don't feel good. And then, you know, scrolling on your phone, finding a substance, be it distracting yourself with other people, you know, like it's about like trying not to think about it or trying not to feel it, which really isn't helpful either. It's about, I guess, learning to be able to hold the negative emotions and feel them for as long as you need to feel them. And then, yeah, reflect and be able to do something different out of it but by pushing them down or distracting yourself the feelings don't actually go away they don't but it takes a lot of courage again mm -hmm. to face them and um i think it's a very very good thing to to try and learn for everyone i think because we all have emotions let's face it some of some us more <laughs> than others it feels <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> but maybe they're just repressing yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows <laughs> Um, I found Dumbledore's quote and he said, it's our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. Um, so a little bit different to what I said, but I think it's still it's it's the sentiment. Same, same essence. It's our choices. So what, what we choose to do far more than what we, what our reactions or our abilities or our emotions are. It's always the choice that we have and then we make that shows ourselves. I think that's a perfect way to sum up the card though, because I think the essence of the knave was that there was, you know, there's adventures and new things coming um, and that there's like a very positive energy, but I guess the more negative side of it was more like indecision indecision and rash, rash choices, you know, quickly acting. Um, whereas kind of what we've been talking about is having that passion and that independence of thought and um, action, but the reflectiveness um, to be conscious and to, you know, stand by the choices and to make choices that we feel um, align with that independent nature, but that we aren't just reacting, that we are 
consciously um, acting in what in all the exciting things that come with being someone who is questioning society and being a nonconformist, but still staying true to the to our essence. Yeah, and I think one last thing about choices is that there needs to be more excitement because I feel like we have so many choices in this society as well that. I always feel overwhelmed and I hate making a decision, but actually there's so much joy in like having a choice and so much excitement can be found in making a choice and like doing, going one way or the other that I think we, we put a lot of fear in that when in reality it's something that maybe our grandparents didn't have and we do have and um, we, we should cherish it, I think. Mm, the privilege of choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that is also quite a recent new feeling, I think for me as well as really feeling aligned to the choices you make is such a amazing feeling, I think, and something to be excited for in the future, because hopefully you can look back then at your life and you made difficult choices. You made choices that led to certain things, but if you have felt in the moment that you're making the choice aligned with you, then that's an exciting future, I think. Yeah, and then the right things for you will come out of these choices if mm. you if you don't look back, but just look forward. I mean, in that way, at least, if you made a choice, I think then you should look forward and take it on with all the good and the bad things that come with that choice. Mm. Learn from the bad and the good. Exactly. Just keep learning. <laughs> <laughs> just keep learning. It's exciting. So I was thinking about the knave of wands as kind of like, because wands for me um, had like a magical, I mean, maybe just because that's what our podcast is about and that's what we're thinking about. But the wands were a magical thing for me, like uh, a witch or a sorcerer or a magician. Um, and I thought of this little um, story. It's like a European folklore story. It's actually origined in, in Germany. And um, there is a book, which is a bit different to the original folklore I found out now, um, but that everyone has to read in school. Um, so for the Germans listening, I think you'll know this one, but I don't think it's very commonly known anywhere else. So I thought I'd tell you the story. Ooh, so is this from your childhood? Um, yeah, it is. Um, so it's it's the story about Krabat, who is an apprentice of a sorcerer. And the story has many different variations and origins I found out, but the version, look, version that's most known in Germany and that I want to tell you today takes place around the turn of the century between 17 and 1800 mm -hmm. and Krabbert was a young boy from a poor family who gets lost in the woods and finds himself in front of a black mill in the children's book that I used to read he was actually called by the sorcerer so he um, had dreams about him and he was called so that's how he ended up uh, in front of the black mill and the master the sorcerer of the mill takes him in as his apprentice and he has more than one so he has he has a few apprentices or in German, Lehrlinge, uh, we call them. And um, Krabat first is very thankful because he's come from a poor family and he didn't have any sense of future or anything. And now with this master taking him in, he first has the sense of, oh, I can become something bigger. But he soon realizes that his master is a sorcerer who has a deal with the devil and is actually a very, very dangerous person. So Krabat wants to be a nonconformist or 
is the nonconformist and wants to fight his evil master. Um, and he does it by secretly reading his book and learning all the magic spells by himself. Um, and the plan is to free everyone and to fight the master. But the other apprentices tell on him. Um, I think in the children's book, again, it's a bit different. I think the master finds out somehow else. I think the the other apprentices are actually trying to help him, or at least most of them. But in the original story, um, they tell on him. And um, now only the mother's love can save Grubbard from the master because he turns all of his apprentices into ravens. And the mother has to um, find Grubbard in the form of a raven. But Grubbard, again, um, being nonconformist, um, manages to flee and meet his mother and tell her a secret sign um, and then come back in uh, time to be turned into a raven. So the mother comes and recognizes him and the master then, having promised to free Krabbard, um, if his mom can identify him, frees him, but soon finds out that it was a trick again. So um, he challenges him to a duel and Krabbard, having learned all these spells in his like secret time, wins and can finally um, overcome the evil master. And then the story ends and Krabbard um, goes on a journey um, and just helps with his magic, everyone that comes along his way um, and uses the evil magic for something good. Oh, what a great story. So That's so relevant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that um, he was... The, his way to power was through knowledge. Um, I think that's really interesting, kind of learning the secrets of what's keeping you captive. And once you understand that, then you can fight it sort of thing. Yes, exactly. And I think so this is just a very short version of the story, but the book, and there's actually a few films in Germany as well about it, um, you can see much more the struggles of Krabber to be like, oh, this master, he took me in and he mm. like, he gave me like a way out of my misery of my poor childhood and all the other um, apprentices kind of like just follow him. So is that what I should do as well? Or now that I know that he's actually evil, should I do something about it and put myself in danger? So there's like a lot of struggle in in the story of him, like trying to like, do the right thing and like seeing what the right thing is for him as well. So I think I thought it's very relevant to the knife of wands. Yeah, no, that's super relevant because that's that sort of, you know, it's easier to not confront someone, isn't it? It's easier to just be like, well, this actually kind of works for me now. So, you know, just carry on with it. And I think that is kind of what's easiest in society as well as just being like, well, if this is the way it is, it's I'm all right, you know, really in the scheme of things. So let's just carry on and not question anything. And it takes so much courage. What I mean, what a brave boy to stand up to someone who has that much experience. But I think also I really like the love being the thing that helped not break the spell, but, you know, was one of the main components of something that could fight against that as well. Um, because I think that's something that is just sounds cliche but is just so universally you just can't explain love and you know I think you do things for people when you love them that are unexplainable yeah and I like that it's the love of his mother too I think in the book again it's not his mother but actually a girl who he's in love with that then saves him mm -hmm. which is also nice but I do like this idea of 
the unconditional love. And it doesn't have to be mother. I think unconditional love can also come from anyone else, but it is seen as something a mother has for a child and unconditional love. Mm. I do anything for you. Um, even if it might not seem like the right thing because we are playing a trick on the master, but in the end it was the right thing because he um, was able to use his magic for a good cause instead of for a bad cause. Mm, I think that's it's also really interesting how something that could have potentially started, you know, all the magic, if he's able to use the magic for good, who's to say that the sorcerer wasn't in the beginning using the magic for good and just how easy it is um, you know, to have power that things get twisted. Um, and then when something's been like that for a long way, a long period of time to just not question it and just be like, that's how it is. It's a really nice kind of representation, isn't it? Yeah. Because often power gets misused and treated in a way that becomes dangerous for everyone around. Um, while we never, not often hear stories where power is actually used in a good way in the end because it seems like there's a cycle of history repeating itself and power always being misused in the end because people who are in power might start as a good person or with good intentions but then just become so blinded by the power they have that they can't seem to use it for anything good anymore mm. oh there's quite a lot of lessons in there isn't it yeah um that's really nice though i think that's a nice do you remember what you took away from that when you were a kid? Um, that's a good question. It's been, it's so long ago. I, I definitely love the story. I used to read it with my mum when I was in primary school, I think. And then we read it like at the beginning of secondary school and like watched the film and everything. And um, I think the thing I remember most is kind of like the, um, the challenge he had of like, doing the right thing and finding out what the right thing is for him because if I remember it right there was like some of the other apprentices who were like trying to like help him but there was others who were just like no don't do it mm. um we're having a good life the master's giving us a fine life like why are you questioning it and that's kind of like as a little girl who always wanted to do the right thing and like have the approval of everyone around me that was something I was quite like struggling with myself or like what's the right thing like how can I make everyone happy which you can't mm -hmm. um I know that now but I didn't then so I think that's like the his struggles of like what how can I do the right thing and how can I figure out what is the right thing for me without having being influenced by everyone who's around me and trying to please everyone mm. yeah I love that there's a lot to think about there So something we wanted to incorporate into the podcast as well was the almanac that we have. We have it always sat on our, our coffee table and flick through and get excited every time the new month comes um, because it's a seasonal guide to 2022, the one that we have. Um, and so every month we look into how the moons are, um, when the full moon is, any sort of rituals that are happening in different um, cultures, what is sprouting or what is in nature at that time. We try to eat things that are in season, um, especially in England and stuff like that. So the Almanac's our little guide every month to nature. Um, and we thought now that it's, it's getting into pure summer now, isn't it? Um, we thought we'd have a look into it and see what it says about August this year. Yeah, so we're recording this episode. It's actually 
July, but because we're not going to be seeing each other for a little bit, we're recording the August episode. So yeah, we'll be looking into August. And also it's always good to know what what's to come. What's coming up. Yeah, because sometimes it's a little bit late, isn't it? We're like, oh, it's the 31st of May. <laughs> we haven't looked in the almanac yet. We're still learning. We're still learning. So I've just looked at the first page and I saw that there was um, a Gaelic or pagan festival and... Um, I don't know if you noticed, but we're really into kind of like pagan rituals with the whole um, summer solstice and all of those um, festivals. And the 1st of August, um, mostly, or halfway between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox is the festival Lunasa, I think. Uh, it's spelled um, in a Gaelic way, I guess, and I've uh, looked up the pronunciation, but Forgive me if I said it wrong and if you know how to say it, then let me know. But I think it's Lunasa or Lunasat. Um, and it's a Gaelic festival marking the beginning of harvest season. And it was historically widely observed in Ireland, Scotland and the Isle of Man. So in the Irish myth, it's said to have begun by the god Lu as a funeral feast and athletic competition in commemoration um, for his mother or foster mother. Tile Tiu, I think. Again, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Um, she was said to have died of exhaustion after clearing the plains of Ireland for agriculture. And she might have been an earth goddess who represented a dying vegetation that fed mankind. Because the festival was held in a time where the old harvest was almost eaten, almost um, all of their things that they've saved throughout the year were gone but the new harvest was not yet ready um so it was like a kind of like very in-betweeny feeling um and also they didn't have much food but now they were beginning the new harvest season so obviously there was a big celebration um to have enough food again and the athletic games were similar to the ancient olympic games and they included ritual athletics sporting contests horse racing music and storytelling, trading, proclaiming laws and settling legal disputes, which I thought was very interesting, <laughs> and then also matchmaking. So a very interesting thing um, was the trial marriages that were conducted during that festival, whereby young couples joined hands through a hole in a wooden door. And then the trial marriage would last for a year and a day, at which the marriage could either be made permanent or broken without consequences, which... I think it's so progressive. I mean, honestly, that's perfect. One year you can see if it works or not. And then you can be like, no, bye, thank you. Or you can be like, yes, this actually was a great year. Let's do more of them. That's incredibly progressive. That's more progressive than most of society now. Exactly. So we really should look back into our history and learn some a thing or two from it. Do they have to hold hands through the wood through the whole time or? Through the whole year? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. That might taint the year, to be fair. <laughs> Why are all these marriages broken up after a year? No, I think that's just a symbolic gesture. Um, but yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And today, um, some of the rituals um, are still um, held, um, mostly the pilgrimages. So the Irish hills and mountains were often ritually ritualistically climbed during that time of the new harvest and a lot of people actually still do that to the day but no more trial marriages which i think is a real shame that is a shame yeah 
I mean, I, I love that though. It's very exciting. Imagine getting to that point every year where you've got so much festivity, like to be excited for, you know, someone you could be married to for a year or like just all those games and stuff like that. But also I was just thinking of the concept of just having food become readily available again. Like we really do not understand now how much we had to rely on nature to eat. I mean, we do still now. And I think, I think that with climate change, especially with how hot it is, we might have to be more, well, you know, people might have to become more aware of that when things don't grow, like we expect them to. Um, but there's almost that sense of community, I think, in, you know, in lacking or in being reliant on something bigger than yourselves to eat and then to come together um, in celebration of, you know, surviving another year sort yeah. of thing as well. And I like the idea that they would like have legal disputes. They would solve them then because it was a time where they were, because before they might have been like, really hungry and like really struggling mm. and I like the idea of saying okay like we can't make any rational decisions we're going to make it in a time where we know that things are getting better and we can actually make those decisions like in a positive light and spirit instead of out of fear or yeah hunger <laughs> exactly and also yeah I think you you're completely right we we don't know anything about not having food available and Obviously, it's a blessing and I'm very glad that we always have enough food. But I also think that the people who know what it means to be lacking of something are often the most generous people around. And people who have plenty often forget to share. And that's a lesson our society could really, really use. Sharing and distributing more fairly is something that I get very, very frustrated with. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, from the Almanac, I was thinking, uh, I was looking into the moons that it says for this month. And there was something that we were talking about that I thought was relevant as well. So there's a new moon on the 27th and it's in Virgo. And so oftentimes in new moons, it's a time to make plans and focus on your dream and hopes for the you know the next season or the period ahead um, and it said Virgo is routine focused so this new moon would be a good time for fresh starts around organization and health and I thought that you know kind of was similar to what you're saying about in a good season it's a it's a good time to to make decisions and plans because you're in a you're in a good space and a good you know you're making it from not a point of fear or hunger or deprivation, but you you are fulfilled um, and in a good place and it's a good time to then plan ahead. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, then at the end of August, we all try to to make plans and have our mind open to new, new organizational schedules, I guess. Yeah, new routines. I guess that makes sense. We'll be kind of coming back again for that new almost like academic year is also a, a point of starting again isn't it um in Europe that's often a, a time of new starts so yeah that'll be interesting to look into at the end of August yeah that aligns nicely that makes a lot of sense hmm. I like that thanks for sharing that with us yeah thanks um, Almanac thanks Almanac we'll definitely be looking into that more um as 
our episodes progress, we'll be looking into the different different seasonal guides the almanac gives us because that's also a way of us remembering to do it in time. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice little ritual. Yeah, there's a nice folk story every time, isn't there? So maybe one month the folk story will really resonate with a, a card we've pulled or something and we can, you know, have a little folk story. There's also a song, so maybe one time we can sing. <laughs> we can learn a song. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that would make us gain listeners necessarily. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We're open. We're not making any rash decisions. Yes. Well, Steph, is it maybe time to draw a new card? I think it is. Okay, so I've shuffled all the cards. Would you like to pull one? I think I've pulled the last two ones. Okay, should I pull one for this one? one? Okay. Ooh, so I've just pulled the Nine of Swords. Mm, swords, we haven't had swords yet, have we? We have not had swords. Mm, coins and wands and now swords. Our first swords. Should I read a little bit about what swords are? Yes, yeah. so um, while you look for it, I'll um, just explain what we see. So the Nine Thoughts um, are positioned in a way that there's two big ones on in the background on each side and then there's three in the middle two of them pointing downwards and one of them pointing upwards and then the last four kind of like um over them like in the foreground joined together from all sides kind of like a compass i guess mm. and in the middle of where they join there is an an eye um that's like half open with a little star in the middle. Yeah, interesting, because the eye for me always means intuition, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and so it's like the joining of the swords together is in the eye. Um, swords obviously have quite a aggressive almost because they usually use for violence. Um, and looking into the suits, so swords, the element that represents swords is air um and swords often represent worry illness trouble and strife the power of words truth fairness objectivity and boundaries interesting so that does align with almost the essence that i get from swords as well isn't it um but we can look more specifically at what nine of swords means. Yeah. I wonder if nine has any literal representation. Anything that you can think of to do with nine? Not really. Um, except that in German, nine means no. <laughs> That's about Sick. all I have. <laughs> Did you guys know Yelena was chub? <laughs> um. Uh the month after August is the ninth month. Could be something there uh-huh. um, in September. Um, but I'll, I'll read some of the, the words for the Nine of Swords and then that's just something for us to think about um, as we separate. We can be thinking on these words, seeing what they, they mean to us. So Nine of Swords, power of the mind, the third eye. Intuition. Mm-hmm. 
good faith and integrity, busy mind, suspicion, fear, despair, shame, misery, anxiety regarding loved ones, hermit, meditation, sanctuary, ceremony and ritual. Quite a lot there. Quite a lot there. Quite a lot of different things. Quite mm-hmm. a lot of relevant things. Yeah. I think definitely a lot that we can think about while we're apart and preparing for the new episode for the new month. Yeah. Maybe it's telling us to, it kind of knows that we're not going to be together. That sort of like hermit and meditation to then come together in ceremony and ritual um, afterwards sort of thing. Yeah, I like that. Um, and it's kind of like a lot of positive stuff, but a lot of negative stuff as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's like that kind of like finding the balance again between like being apart, but also being for yourself and like trying new things, but also coming back to rituals that we know. And all of that is kind of like good and bad, but it's however, whatever choice you make it to be, it will serve you that way. Mm. Yeah, because with good faith and integrity, if we stay true to that, um, it will hopefully all have good things. But yeah, I think it will be nice to come back to be able to do our, you know, have coffee and do yoga every morning, rituals that we have. Um, But there's always time, I guess, in between is also needed for growth. You need both, don't you? So that's quite a nice card for us to be thinking about. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You need traditions and you need new things. You need it both. You can't either go, like, you can't grow without either of them. Mm, You can't be stagnant with the same thing, but also you need time to process things. Um, So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a nice card. I really like it. Mm, Our first sword. Our first sword. I will close the episode with another word. This time it comes from the chapter Boats Against the Current. Mm. And the word is... In errata, Latin in, not, and errata, mistakes in a printed work, and it's pronounced in errata. So I think I'm pronouncing it right. It's a noun, and it means a kind of mistake that you wouldn't take back even if you could. The reluctant, reluctance to disown a broken relationship or agonizing experience that has since become a part of who you are. And trying to disown it would mean you're trying to live some other life. Wow. So I think that was quite relevant to the things that we said that you can change, but the things you have experienced and the decisions you've made and the choices you've made and even the mistakes still make you you and you can look forward and do something about it to make it different the next time. But I don't think it will help you grow looking back, trying to make it undone when you can't. Mm. There's no wrong choices, are there? Exactly. And it all moves you to um, become the person you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. That's a great way to end, especially on the Knave of Wands, which was, you know, taking risks, um, being excited. Courageous. Courageous, nonconformist. Follow um, your desires. Follow your desires. Um, But then, you know accepting when you do make mistakes and learning from them um, as well. Thank you for listening. This is the end of the episode. I'm Yella. I'm Steph. And join us next time when we talk about the Nine of Swords and I'm sure 
many other things. New beginnings in September, thinking about what still serves us and what we want to let go and um, coming back to Red Shows. Very excited to be reunited again.